Life Audio. Well, hey there, brothers and sisters, boys and girls. Welcome back to How to Say the Bible. I'm your host, Nicole Eunice. We are in the middle of the Old Testament Bible highlight reel, and we are talking today about a covenant with David. And you may be wondering, where is Rev. Rachel? She's taking the week off. So I'm going to be flying solo today, but she will be back next week. Have no fear. And we will miss her and look forward to having her back. But I want to say a few welcomes here before we get going. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. couple of welcomes to some of you joining us around the world. Welcome to those of you listening in Uganda, those of you listening in the Philippines and in New Zealand. We are so glad to have you as part of our podcast community. We hope that you're finding this encouraging and helpful as you pursue God in your life. Also want to say thank you to those of you who've been leaving reviews. Can I read you a couple of reviews from this week? We have a review from D.E.W. Stir Duster. And it says, I'm newer to faith, and I can't tell you what this podcast has meant to me. Nicole really gets you sucked in and wanting to pull out your Bible and question. Thank you so much, Nicole. Ooh, said my favorite word there. Asking questions, exploring together. So fun. Also from ZRI Birdie, Zra Birdie, November 1st, insightful and impactful. Really appreciate this one, particularly After being raised in a religious home, I had lost my feelings and love of my faith after losing my father to cancer at a young age. Recently starting a family of my own, I found myself becoming more curious to re-examine my relationship with God. 
and how I best exemplify him through me as a father, a husband, and a person. Nicole's ability to work through significant parts of the Bible and explain them in a way to make you feel the words has been an amazing and welcoming way back into the scripture. Well, ZRI Birdie, we are really glad that you have found your way here. And I just love how God goes before us. And this feels like the perfect review to read this week as we start to talk about covenants and promises that God makes to us and the covenants that extend into our lives today. We're going to go way back into the Old Testament like we've been doing. But my hope is that if you hang with me, and we're going to read a lot of scripture today, if you hang with me, you're going to see how where we are in this passage today in Second Samuel actually does deeply connect to who we are and how we identify ourselves in this world today in 2023. So we're going to be in Second Samuel 7. As a reminder, too, if you want to be taking a deeper step into the Bible, we put together a reading plan for this series. It's at NicoleUnis.com slash Old Testament. It's free. It's just a chart that you can print out. You can use it so that you can read along with us and see these threads and these connections that we've been making all through these last weeks. So today we're talking about David, and um, we're going to get right into this covenant with David. So we're going to do what we do and walk through this passage. Just so you know, I read you the whole chapter on the previous podcast. That's a five-minute reading. If you want to go listen to it, refresh yourself. I was thinking of you guys who listen to this podcast when you're driving or doing chores or working And I wanted to make it easy for you to hear the scripture. So if you haven't done it yet, if you have not read the passage, if you've not listened to the passage, go do that now because it will set you up to be able to know where we are. So this is in 2 Samuel. Let me give you just a little bit of context as we get into this passage. What's happened so far coming up to this point is that David has just been named king. Now, if you know anything about the story of David and Saul, David was anointed king when he was young, but he didn't actually become king until he was 30. And all through that time of anointing to when he actually became king, Saul, who was the the king at the time, was pursuing and trying to kill David. Like he was trying to get rid of David this whole time. And so David is often in hiding. He's often in the wilderness. He's out there being a renegade. Many of the Psalms were written at this time in David's life where he was you know, fleeing for his life, fearing for his life, and trusting and having faith that God would do what God said he was going to do. And now this has been realized. David has become king. Israel has been reunited. It had been split into two kingdoms. It reunites under David. And David has just brought the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, into the capital. The Ark of the Covenant is a whole thing. We should definitely study it together. It would be amazing. The Ark of the Covenant is what the Israelites carried when they left Egypt and they were with Moses and God sort of set up, what does it mean to be my people, which we talked about last week. Remember, we did the Ten Commandments. At that time, God was teaching his people what it looks like to be a people and a society together. And we see that ethic that starts to be poured out over those Ten Commandments. We connected that to what Jesus taught, which was the fulfillment of those commandments, And in the middle of that, there was this construction of this Ark of the Covenant that held the the Ten Commandments that sort of signified God's presence. And so that thing has gone where all the people went, and uh, David has now successfully brought the Ark of the Covenant into the capital. He worships and he dances and he celebrates the fact that he's able to bring this um, symbol of the presence of God into the capital, like sort of in the fulfillment of all that had been said 
about God's people coming out of Egypt and then being established as a people group. So that's what's happened up till now. And then he settles into his palace and he gets this idea in 2 Samuel 7 and he consults the prophet Nathan. And he basically says, I want to build God a house. Like I'm living in this beautiful palace and God is in this ark and I want to build God a house. And what happens next is that instead, God promises to build David a house. And what happens is God extends a covenant to David about his legacy, about what would happen in his family and his lineage that would continue on forever. So one of the questions, if you were reading closely, that you might have right away is, but the word covenant is never used, which is true. In this whole chapter, it never says that God is establishing a covenant and never sort of ratchets ratchets up this conversation to covenant level. If you think about where we've read about covenants, God made a covenant to Noah that he would never again destroy the earth. We saw the covenant that God made to Abraham when he, remember, he said his, he made his descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. We saw the covenant that God made to Moses and to the people, and now we're seeing a covenant made to David. So we've got this, this big, important moment, but it never actually says covenant. So the reason that we know that this was God's covenant is because other places in Scripture talk about this passage. And this passage comes up again and again. It becomes a very significant passage, but mostly by looking back at it and seeing places that it says that. So let me give you an example. Psalm 89, verses 3 and 4 say this, You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my servant. I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. So right there in Psalm 89, we have a a verse plucked out of 2 Samuel that's repeated in Psalm 89. So we we get the sense that, okay, this is a covenant that God's making. This is a very important situation that is taking place here. And if you listen to the passage, you know that we've got sort of two things happening in this chapter. We have God giving David a word through the prophet Nathan about who he is and what he's going to do. And then we have David's response. So we're going to hone in and zoom in on a couple of things that I think will be really important for our understanding as we go. So David says, I want to do something for God. So we have David saying, like, I want to build God a house. And then God just breaks in and he declares what is true about what is happening right now. And the first thing that God says is like, are you the one who needs to build me a house? I don't need to live a house in, in a house. And he basically says, you're not going to be the one to build me a house. But what I am going to do is I am going to build you a house. I'm going to build you a legacy. And he gives him these words, especially in verse 11 and 12. He says, the Lord declares he will make a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. So we begin to hear this idea that God is going to work through the descendants of David. And of course, his next son is King Solomon, who will build him a temple. But then it goes on and it says, this person will build a temple for my name and I will secure his royal throne forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. If he sins, I will correct and discipline him with the rod like any father would do. It just says, your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time. So this is a big deal. This isn't just about Solomon. This isn't about Solomon's son. It's about something that God is establishing and he's calling it eternal. And and so and then he he starts by talking about Solomon and then he goes into verse 14 with this father and son language. And what's interesting here again if we're 
looking for context and we're going to dig in. We're going to see that we have a study note here that connects verse 14 to a deeper connotation. And it says here in the study note, Jesus becomes the ultimate fulfillment of this prophecy. And then Paul quotes this phrase in 2 Corinthians 6, 18 and applies it to all believers. So here we have this lineage and this link that's being made from what's happening with David, what's going to happen with Solomon, and then we get, which often happens with these prophecies and these covenants, that we get this zoom forward into something that is significant for all eternity. is not just significant in the moment, although it was significant in the moment. What's happening historically in the moment is also true and real, but what's also happening is that God is giving us this forward look into something that has eternal significance. And our study notes help us understand, oh, we're going to see this phrase again. This phrase is going to come up again and again, and we see it here in 2 Corinthians 6.18. Look what 2 Corinthians says. This is the passage where Paul's saying that he connects this idea to all believers, and it says this, I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So we get this father and son language here, talks about correction and discipline, which also shows up in the book of Hebrews. And we see here in 2 Corinthians 6, 18, that same father and son language. And here Paul takes this covenant and applies it to us. Isn't that crazy and wild? Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. So we'll come back to that in just a minute. Let's continue forward, though. Let's talk for a second about this idea of forever language. This is a big deal that we get this sort of the sense that God is faithfully saying that this is not just something that is happening now, but this is a lasting dynasty dynasty that will last forever. This forever language is this thread that connects us to Christ. And I'm going to give you three passages. I just want you, just all I'm asking you to do right now is enjoy this connection, okay? So we're we're here. Remember, we're right here in this moment. We're with David, a real historical figure, and his prophet. His prophet is giving him these words. He has no idea where this is going, but we get the benefit of thousands of years ahead looking back on this and having not only a prophecy, but also a fulfillment. So we've got history right here. And then the next thing that happens is a prophecy. This is in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet. This is further along in the story. This is later, much later in the story. And later in the story, we have Isaiah giving this prophecy. And again, it's sort of connecting back to the second Samuel 7 covenant. 
Isaiah 9, verse 7. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is where we begin to see that this is no longer just about a human king. And even though David's dynasty will sort of go away for a period of time, it is not because God has forgotten. It is not because God did not remember its promise. It's actually that God is meaning to fulfill this covenant in the perfect son of God, the perfect king of kings, the only one who could take on the establishment of a throne forever. And that person is Jesus Christ. Jesus actually comes from the lineage of David. We learn about that when we learn more about Jesus's birth. So this happens in Isaiah and we read this passage. This passage is not about a a flesh and blood normal king. This is about a fully man and fully divine king that will reign forever and ever. He will reign on David's throne forever. Then we go to Luke chapter one. This is where Jesus's life is, is birth. This is the story of Jesus's birth coming onto earth. And he's being prophesied, you know, Mary's going to hear about who is this Jesus going to be? And this is what the angel says to Mary in Luke chapter one, verse 31. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. There we go again. So now we've had Isaiah giving a prophecy. Now we have the angel right close to Jesus's birth coming to Mary, the mother of Jesus, and saying, hey, this is what's going to happen. This is who he's going to be. You are going to be the mother of God. He's going to be great. He will be the one who will have a kingdom that will never end. Then we go all the way to the end of the story, all the way to Revelation, last book of the Bible. And Revelation eleven fifteen says this. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven. This is about the fulfillment of this kingdom, which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Messiah, and he will reign, you guessed it, forever and ever. So all through scripture, we have these connections to this idea of a throne that will reign forever. And it starts right here in this passage, one that I'm wondering if you've ever read, 2 Samuel 7, it can feel kind of obscure. And back here in 2 Samuel 7 is the beginning of God explaining this promise and what this promise is going to look like and how this covenant is going to be carried out. That not only was David, as it says in in 2 Samuel, a man after God's own heart, but David was also the one who would get to carry this lineage to something that he himself would never see. He did not build God a house. His son built God a house. And and Solomon does not become the one who reigns forever. That is fulfilled. And the culmination of that is found in Jesus Christ. So what do we do with that? Well, I, I think this is why I want to get to the second part of the chapter for just a moment. I just want to talk about David's response to this message, because I think that David's response to this message truly is a, a manifestation of, of our response to this message what it means for us to actually take in this idea that not only has Jesus established his throne forever, but that he has extended this promise and this blessing to us. 2 Corinthians 6, 18, you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty, that we actually get this full extension of a promise to us, those of us who are called by faith, those of us 
who believe in Jesus, not just the Israelites, but the new Israel as well. Everyone, Jew and Gentile, who would by faith believe in Jesus are part of this promise. This original promise that was made to a nation is now made to the whole world, to everyone who would call on the name of Jesus. And so if we circle back to who David was and how David responded to this message, what we see here is he opens with like, who am I, O sovereign Lord, that you would bring me this far? And oof, I don't know if you've ever prayed that prayer. If you if you stopped and looked in the rearview mirror of your life and thought to yourself and have seen God's faithfulness, you've seen his goodness, you've seen his forgiveness in your life. I'm not saying that you don't have hard things going on in your life right now. I'm not even saying that there won't be hard things coming up in your life. But what I am saying is, are you able to look in the rearview mirror of your life and say, who am I, O sovereign Lord, that you have brought me this far? Praise God that that is a true and humble and beautiful response to who God is and the blessings that God gives us. And, and David sort of goes on. He's got humility. He has gratitude. And he has this, this special focus on wanting to make sure that God's name would be known. Like here, Dave, you know, God is saying to David, I'm going to make your name great. And and David's like, no, your name is great. Like we need to make your name great. And I love that just reflection back to God's glory, this idea that whatever you've given me, God is all meant to bring you glory. That even as we celebrate and say, oh, sovereign Lord, who are you, who am I that you've brought me this far, that we we receive the blessings and favor of God and we and we want to turn them back to God. We want to use them For his glory, every good thing that God brings into our life, every redemptive thing, everything that he gives us is is something that can be transformed and used to bring him glory. That's what David does in this prayer. He's like, he accepts the promise. I think that's a really important part for us as believers, too. He accepts the gift. And some of us, y'all, we're just we're just keep on denying the gift. We're we're like keep on thinking we got to work harder for the gift. And that's not what we see here. What we see here is David expressing gratitude for the gift that God is giving. If if only we would believe the word of God and his promises more and more and actually accept and receive them with gratitude. And then he he confidently wants to give that back to God as well. And I just love the very last line in this chapter for it says, for you have spoken. And when you grant a blessing to your servant, O sovereign Lord, it is an eternal blessing. Anybody need to claim that today, to understand that when God gives a blessing, it is an eternal blessing. When God says your sins are forgiven, your sins are forgiven. When God calls you his son or his daughter, he means it. It doesn't come back. When God makes a blessing, it is an eternal blessing. What good news that is for all of us to recognize that, wow, way back in this moment in history, actually matters for our life today. So my challenge for you, my challenge for myself, when I think about what does this mean for me, is I always, I come back to this again and again, I always ask myself, are the blessings of God on the tip of my tongue? At any moment, no matter if I'm tired, I'm confused, I'm fearful, whatever I may be feeling distracted, am I able to bring the blessings of God to the tip of my tongue? Am I able to speak those out? Do I know them well enough in my head, have I allowed them to sink into my heart that I can receive those blessings? I think a lot of people struggle with this and they're like, immediately when they think blessing, they think about provision. And I'm not saying that God doesn't bless us with provision or health or whatever, a sunny day. Those are wonderful things. But do you know deep in your heart, the blessing of God? Do you know 
that God says there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Do you, do you feel the blessing of that, that, that condemnation can never rest on you? Do you believe in the resurrection power of Christ that is available to you, that is a blessing that we receive, that you are blessed by being called a son and a daughter, that you have God's eternal approval upon you. These are the kinds of things that you want to know in your head and know in your heart so that when times get tough, you are able to speak them out. You're able to speak that truth over your life and over yourself in a way that keeps you grounded in Christ, keeps you identifying with your true nature as a son or daughter of God. So I want to encourage you, if you don't have those blessings at the tip of your tongue, seek out your Bible, write things down, put them on three by five cards, put them on sticky notes, write them on your hand, do whatever you need to do to make sure that you are able to immediately speak of the blessings of God in your life because you need them. You know, the world is working against you believing those, but God wants you to believe them. What is true in Revelation will be true. The kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and Messiah. But while we still live in this kingdom of the world, you better arm yourself with the blessings of God so that whatever the day may bring, you are ready to speak life and truth into and over your own life. Go in that goodness, that confidence, and that grace and peace today, everyone. Talk to you next week. How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you like what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review the podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hi, I'm Beckett Cook, host of The Beckett Cook Show. I lived as a gay man in Hollywood for many, many years until I had a radical encounter with Jesus 13 years ago. Since then, I've gotten my master's degree in seminary and published a book called A Change of Affection. On my podcast, The Becca Cook Show, I sit down with fascinating Christian scholars and thinkers to address the lies of the culture and bring the biblical truth to bear on those lies. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for The Becca Cook Show on your favorite podcasting platform.